0: Coffeehouse Shots is sponsored by NatWest, the bank that's helping small businesses build back better and greener. The transition to net zero could create 130,000 new jobs for small and medium-sized businesses. That's why NatWest is aiming to lend $100 in sustainable financing by 2025. Find out more about climate support for businesses at natwest.com slash climate.
1: Welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman and James Forsyth. Boris Johnson's problems are not going anywhere anytime soon. The Prime Minister is battling on several fronts as he goes into the weekend. He may be celebrating the birth of a baby daughter, but he is also facing pressing questions when it comes to the refurbishment of his flat which members of his team were at a Downing Street party which some still say doesn't exist and then the Covid restriction vote next week which has a growing Tory rebellion. Isabel just to kick us off the development late last night involves Jack Doyle the director of communications. ITV are reporting at this uh, Downing Street party he gave a speech handed out awards and this is problematic for a few reasons. Can you explain why? Well The main
0: one is that Jack Doyle is the head of comms in number 10 and therefore held responsible, rightly or otherwise, by a lot of Conservative MPs for the comms failures of the past week and a bit. And for him to have been involved in this party, if there were indeed a party, suggests that some of the decisions that were taken in terms of comms may have been taken on a sort of personal basis and it obviously prolongs the story and brings it much closer to the Prime Minister's current operation as well. There have been noises off for quite a long time, it's fair to say, long before this Christmas party story broke. About the Downing Street comms operation, but talking to Conservative MPs, they're sort of split between saying it's personnel and then saying, "Well, look, you know, it's it's Boris Johnson who's firstly ultimately responsible for this, but but also the person who is making the decisions and often giving the the quotes uh, just to." move to a different issue on mandatory vaccines for instance that have so upset um the party so this is one of the reasons why it's it's become so much of an issue
1: and james in your times column today you've written johnson haters in the tory party can smell blood what is the temperature check
0: so i think that
2: was a a johnson loyalist cabinet minister said to me that you know the problem is everyone in the tory party who hates boris johnson and, and there are a surprisingly large number of those people. More as well. than
1: can, you can't count on both hands. It goes. Uh, you,
2: you would need, yeah, you, 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 need, you need more than your hands and your feet, right? They sense he is weak, and I think the consolation for him is that this isn't like with Theresa May, when you had Jacob Rees-Mogg and Steve Baker kind of actively organising a letter-writing campaign. There, there isn't that going on. But I think the worry for Boris Johnson is that this. Anger is diffuse across the parliamentary party. It isn't just one ideological faction that are upset with him, that there there is a broader dissatisfaction and irritation... And I think the problem for him is that at a moment when his stock with his parliamentary party is low, he is trying to do things that they don't like. Just look at how this rebellion over Plan B and vaccine passports in particular is is growing. And one thing I think is that is striking to me about it is that lots of the more libertarian Tory MPs have been saying to their colleagues, you know, where this ends up is with mandatory vaccination. And I think most, you know, middle of the road Tory MPs have fought with those warnings for a bit far fetched a bit like, oh come on, it's not where it's gonna be. So when Boris Johnson blurts out at a press conference, maybe we should start a national conversation about mandatory vaccination, I think that, that that does take people aback. And I think that has made this rebellion worse. And I think the other thing that is problematic is again that there is a habit of Tory MPs being given assurances, so that Tory MPs feel that they were told there were going to be no more restrictions until the government had seen the vaccine efficacy data. The government then, Boris Johnson, then decides that he needs to move before then. But that just leaves Tory MPs feeling really angry, because they feel that they've gone along with the initial set of restrictions that they went along with, because they were told explicitly nothing more would happen until you until we've got this information, and then that is overridden. Now, it might be that going early is the right decision, but the, the handling of it ha- has further strained relations between Boris Johnson and his MPs. And as in in a parliamentary democracy, you can't keep doing that.
1: Isabel, I saw you nodding your head as James was speaking there when it comes to the the problem here, which I think perhaps we can all agree on this. It just seems increasingly that, Tory MPs don't trust much that the Prime Minister says. And when the Prime Minister says something's not going to happen, it normally means it is. And when the Prime Minister suggests that you might be having a conversation about something, they almost take to mean, well, we'll get that in about three weeks' time. Is that what you're picking up?
0: Yeah, they've basically stopped taking the Prime Minister at his word, which is quite a place for a party with such a a big majority in government to end up. It's, you know, who who knew that the man who basically took over from Theresa May because he was a winner, who won a stonking majority in the 2019 election two years ago, uh, would end up with a lot of the same problems in terms of getting his policies through and having to rely on Labour votes, which is what looks like it's going to happen next week with the Plan B measures. And lots of Conservative MPs who I've been speaking to this morning have have been saying that we're now in an undeniable pattern where they can't take the Prime Minister at his word on things like whether or not there was a party, on matters which one Tory who I've spoken to this morning said demean the office um, when they were talking about the wallpaper and the Downing Street flat and also again on Covid measures as we've just discussed. They have been repeatedly assured that this Christmas was going to be back to normal, that everything was going to be okay. Only a few weeks ago, it was, you know, if you get your booster vaccines, then you'll, you know, we'll be fine. And now we're not fine. And we're talking about mandatory vaccinations, which, as James says, even those in the Conservative Party who are, you know, pretty happy about COVID restrictions up to this point, Sort of vanishingly small number are, are very upset by that idea. They don't even understand uh, how that that can be done. How mandatory vaccinations could be carried out. One. Conservative I was speaking to earlier said that the only place where you have mandatory uh, injections against people's will is in a mental health setting when somebody's been detained by law and that's you know obviously not what's going to happen but the idea of restricting people's liberties that much is something that has really upset Conservative MPs and makes them feel as though they don't really know who Boris Johnson is.
1: James it's not unusual to have Tory MPs complaining about Downing Street or the Prime Minister and we have been here many times before so I think one thing that is hard to work out is, is this time much more different? And it does feel to me, at least, that it has moved up a gear, that there are now so many things that it's really hard for the Prime Minister to push it on one advisor. You don't have a Dominic Cummings-style light bulb who can carry this. But I wondered, what do you think, are there some potential flashpoints coming up that could really see this anger move into something more specific?
2: So I think there'll be a big rebellion against Plan B, and I think particularly on the vaccine passports. For him, I mean, that will become the main focus of the rebellion. I also think that Daily Telegraph today suggests this morning that, that Christopher Guite, the Prime Minister's advisor on on, on the ministerial code, he, you know, is he, very unhappy because of what was revealed yesterday, this disparity between what Lord Guite was told when he conducted his report into the Prime Minister's flat and what the Electoral Commission inquiry concluded. I, and I think that, you know, remember the, that Alex Allen has already gone as the advisor on the on the ministerial code. And he went because, basically, Boris Johnson did not want to sack Priti Patel over the bullying claims against her. He went over that. If Lord Geit were to go because he felt that he hadn't been given the kind of full picture, I think that is a very difficult thing to handle. Angela Rayner has written to Lord Geit, the Labour deputy has written to Lord Geit today, you know, urging him to reopen his investigation... I think in some ways him reopening his investigation would be the least worst thing for Boris Johnson right now because I think the the alternatives to that are probably worse.
1: And Isabel, do you think that the next point could be perhaps the North Shropshire by-election if the Tories do lose that? I have to say CCHQ are being very downbeat and there's always a little bit of expectation management. You want it to be the case that if the Tories hold it by 100 votes even though it's an over 20,000 majority they can claim victory but it it does feel like true despondency.
0: Yeah and I think it's also fair to say that There's quite a few Conservative MPs who have decided that the work from home guidance extends to campaigning in by-elections and they're not going to bother uh, going to North Shropshire in the next few days because they just can't face having their own constituents at home and their own associations at home having a go at them and then travelling somewhere else for, for voters to be even angrier because it's you know the double whammy of the Owen Patterson case and now this uh, Christmas party row. so uh, I think it's already affecting morale regardless of the results but I think one thing that's worth saying is that Whatever the result, even if it is a bit like Cheshire and Amersham where the, the Conservatives end up losing and they have a bit you know quite a bit of soul searching in the days afterwards, everyone does then go off on recess and that does dampen things down a bit. I think actually the risk of recess is still that Boris Johnson thinks that things have calmed down when he comes back in the new year and is insufficiently attentive to the anxieties of his MPs and ends up angering them even more pretty quickly.
1: And James, when we're looking about how things could escalate, do you think there is any realistic chance that we can end up in a confidence vote anytime soon?
2: So, Paul Goodman, who is the editor of Conservative Home, wrote a piece uh, yesterday saying that he thought one was now more likely than not. That That's a striking judgment from him. I think North Shropshire has become important. I think that, you know, if that seat, if a leave voting rural seat is lost, I think there will be a panic among Tory MPs. Now, there was a panic among Tory MPs after Cheshire and Amersham. But, you know, Cheshire and Amersham was explainable in some ways by HS2 and planning. And you could see the the, the government essentially dropped planning, which is its single biggest supply-side reform in, a, in response to the Cheshire and Amersham defeat. I think mean, what's harder about North Shropshire is if North Shropshire is lost, it's very hard to see what the policy response to that is, if you see what I mean. And I think, I think Tory MPs will get very nervy if that happens.
1: Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening.